Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19 verse 1 to 7, Acts chapter 19 verse 1 to 7, as we continue to look at how God grows churches in the book of Acts. The rustle of pages has ended, so let's read from God's word. I'll be reading Acts chapter 19, beginning at the first verse. Hear God's word. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took his disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Just so far in the reading of God's word. Let's bow our heads and pray as we come to the teaching of God's word. Father God, we know from your word that men are like flowers. They, uh, men are like grass and their, their glories are like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Again this morning, Lord God, upon your word we would stand faithful and true as it is, sufficient for all life and for doctrine. Would you help us in your word to see Jesus Christ? Would you help us in your word to see your will and your way? By your spirit, might our minds be renewed and our hearts be stirred and our lives be transformed that Jesus Christ might be glorified in and through us. These things we pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, 
Amen. Take a look at verse 1 together with me if you would. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Swert suk swert. That's uh, me exhausting all of my Afrikaans for today. But I have an Afrikaans wife and I've heard that before. Swert suk swert. The, the idea in English is that bird of a feather flock together. Believers seek out believers. I worked as a business development manager for a large information technology firm and I had to close a deal with a partner company. It was the end of a very long process and a day had been set aside for us to thrash out the deals and sign on the dotted line. There were three representatives in the room from each organization. And as we broke for lunch, the older man on the other side of the table smiled at me and asked, are you a Christian? Now, in reality, he beat me to it because I had felt prompted to ask him the same question. Derek Payton and I became fast friends. Uh, We'd often get together, uh, talk about our testimonies and baptism and salvation. We, We sought one another out. Why? Because birds of a feather flock together. Believers seek out believers. Paul comes into Ephesus and he he meets these men who sound like they speak Christianese. (laughs) You know what Christianese is, right? It's, It's those words and those phrases that we use in our Christian subculture, like amen or praise the Lord or God willing, stuff that nobody else but Christians say. Paul meets these men who sound like they speak Christianese. They they talk about being disciples. And I imagine that Paul gets really excited about that. But here is the question I'm going to ask you to ask yourself this morning. Disciple of who? Read with me in verse 2. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We had not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I, I don't know when, but Paul senses as he interacts with them that something is Wrong. The guys on the other side of the table are like him, but something is a little off. He cannot quite put his finger on it, and so he asks a diagnostic question Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why that question? Because Christians believe in one God 
in three persons. We know that we know this. It may be hard to express and it may be hard to understand. It may be beyond our understanding. But we have faith. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. The Father is God in heaven. His Son is our Savior who died for the sins of the world. And His Spirit is the giver of life who is within us. Christians experience an indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God makes a permanent home in us. Jesus said, You know him, for he dwells within you and will be with you. And Paul himself said, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. It is the Holy Spirit who makes us alive, confirms our faith, adds us to the universal church, gives us spiritual gifts, leads us into truth and guards us against error, helps us to pray, enables us to live lives to God's glory, produces the fruit of the Spirit within us, is grieved when we sin and convicts us to confess, seals us for the day of redemption and guarantees our salvation. Christians experience the indwelling presence of that Holy Spirit. And that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit happens to us when we first believe. Paul said, For in the Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free. We are all made to drink one Spirit. And again, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And again, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of His glory. Amen? The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit happens when we first believed. Now, if you had have asked these men, are you a disciple? They would have replied yes. And maybe you would too. Are you being discipled by Mark or by Jabu or by Daniel or by Hannah? It means nothing. Do you have the Holy Spirit? 
Because if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you are not a disciple of Jesus. Now, I can imagine their confusion when Paul asked the question. I I can imagine Paul's confusion at them not knowing the answer. But the big question for us now is, whose disciples are they? When the answer we can read from verse 3 and 4. And he, that's Paul, said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. I I imagine Paul scrunching up his nose when asking the question into what then were you baptized? John's baptism was the reply. They were disciples of John the Baptist. Many people from Jerusalem and from all Judea and from all the region about the Jordan were going out to John the Baptist and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. And John's baptism was all about repentance. John preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he commanded the Pharisees to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And he said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But one is coming after me who's mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's baptism was all about repentance. But John was anticipatory. John anticipated the Messiah's arrival. John pointed forward. John pointed to Jesus. John wanted his disciples to believe in Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus. Like John's disciples, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Because like John's disciples, you cannot wash away the guilt and shame of the sin within you. You cannot wish it away. You cannot ignore it away. You cannot cast it away. Your sin stands as a witness against you before a holy and perfect God. It is a stain that will not wash off. It is a blemish that will not iron out. It is a mark that will not rub out. Your sin will be your death. Like John's disciples, you are a sinner in need of a savior. And so Paul points these men to Jesus. Jesus who lived an obedient life in every way. 
Jesus who died on the cross as a substitute for sinners. His perfection for our imperfection. His righteousness for our unrighteousness. Jesus who rose from the grave proved that God had accepted the price that he had paid. Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus and live. Look to Jesus and believe. Believe that you have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Believe that the wages of your sin is death. Believe that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Believe that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe that if you have been justified through faith, you will have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look to Jesus and believe. Would you do so right now? Would you do so this very moment? Would you cast yourself upon Jesus Christ and live? Paul points these disciples to Jesus. And the question that we're now asking is how will they respond? Read verse 5 together with me. When hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our church's statement of belief says baptism is the immersion of a professing believer. And the Baptist catechism says baptism is to be administered to all those who actually profess repentance towards God in faith and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ and no other. Baptism is an act of repentance by a professing believer. So where is the belief in John's disciples? Well, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptism is an external submission to his authority motivated by an internal belief in his person and his work. Baptism is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But here Luke does not give a formula He gives the emphasis. These men now have a proper object of faith, Jesus. And so they are baptized in his name. For those of you who have put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, what prevents you from being baptized. Friend, baptism is not a suggestion. Baptism is commanded by Jesus. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What prevents you from being baptized? 
Baptism is not a step of salvation. Baptism is an act of obedience. Jesus himself set the example of being baptized himself. Neglecting to be baptized is disobedience to a command of Jesus and a slight to the example of Jesus. Baptism is your opportunity to give public testimony to the saving grace of Jesus in your life. And your baptism may well spur someone to seek Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So, these disciples heard the gospel and they believed. But what about the Holy Spirit? Read verse 6 and 7 together with me. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. This was a mini Pentecost, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. One in four places in the book of Acts. And one of three in the book of Acts where the miraculous gift of tongues is manifest. What are tongues? The miraculous gift of tongues is the miracle of speaking a human language the speaker has never learned. In Acts chapter 2, the 12 apostles and others had spoken in human languages they had never learned to unsaved Jews in Jerusalem. After their salvation, confirming the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his household had spoken in human languages they had never learned to Jews who doubted God's plan at the point of their salvation, confirming God's acceptance of Gentiles. Yeah, in Acts chapter 19, these disciples of John spoke in human languages they had never learned and prophesied at the same time as their salvation to convince them that they were members of Christ's church. What does it mean to prophesy? Prophecy is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. Prophecy can be foretelling the revelation of what is still to come. Prophecy is always foretelling, declaring God's truth to God's people in God's power. These men, believing in Jesus, experienced the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The story continues in verse 8 and 9. And he, being Paul, entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and uh, continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he, being Paul, withdrew from them and took the disciples, that would have been the twelve and others who had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ with him reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Paul's pattern started in synagogues. In some ways it was easier because the the Jews already had an understanding of God, of man, of sacrifice, and of a savior to come. 
The, the opposition came when Paul presented Jesus as that Savior, Jesus as that sacrifice, Jesus as that man, and Jesus as God. But for as long as he was able to, Paul would reason and persuade them about the kingdom of God. To reason is to discuss, it is to dialogue. Paul engaged, presenting arguments and teaching. To persuade is to try and convince. And in whatever time he had, Paul tried to convince whoever he could to be a Christian. And he went about this task all the time, day in and day out. Paul's message was about the kingdom of God. The the kingdom of God is the whole counsel of God's word about King Jesus. The kingdom of God is the rule of a sovereign God over the universe. The kingdom of God is the rule that God exercises over those who have submitted to his authority. The kingdom of God looks forward to an eschatological reign of Christ. When he was inevitably thrown out of the synagogue, Paul would continue to teach in another place. It is at this point that Ephesus becomes important to us. Because the church in Ephesus is like Central Baptist Church Pretoria. They met in a hired hall, a building suited to congregational worship. In Jerusalem, the church had met in the temple. In most of the cities that Paul had planted, the church met from house to house. But in Ephesus, they met in a building. The emphasis throughout the book of Acts isn't about where believers meet, but that believers meet. The church isn't the place. The church is us, the people. So what about you? Are you watching on YouTube because it's easier than getting dressed than coming to church? (laughs) Come back to church. Or are you here for your annual or monthly spiritual checkup and after this morning, we're unlikely to see you again for a while? Friend, do not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. God's people met regularly in this place. Come and join us as we celebrate Jesus. Well, to conclude, the church grew. Read verse 10 together with me. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. You will notice that this continued for two years. What continued? Well, the reasoning and the persuading Paul taught. In Acts chapter 20, Paul would say to the elders of the church in Ephesus, you yourselves know how long among you and for the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me throughout the plots of the Jews. Now, I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You will notice 
Paul stayed so that there was a purpose to his long pastoral tenure in Ephesus. And the so that is so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Paul himself did not travel to all Asia. Rather, he remained in Ephesus training disciples who would take the gospel and spread it far and wide and plant churches. From Ephesus, the gospel message would reach Colossae, Heropolis, Simra, Pergamum, uh, Tyatara, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The book of Acts is all about how churches grow. Acts is about the spread of the gospel, how God's word continues to conquer souls despite opposition in every age to the present. Acts is about how the gospel triumphs. So, why did this church grow? Think through the building blocks of the story together with me. They were disciples of John who didn't have the Holy Spirit. Paul pointed them to Jesus. They believed and were baptized in water, but also baptized by the Holy Spirit at the point of their salvation. And then Paul remained in the city for a long time of teaching them. And therefore, all the residents in Asia heard the word of the Lord. The church grew as spirit-baptized believers were well taught. How then does this apply to us? At Central Baptist Church Pretoria, we will point our city to Jesus. We will do this on Sunday as we present the gospel. We will do this during the week as evangelism teams go out and share the good news of the gospel. We will do this with our family and our friends and our co-workers as we come into contact with them. We will point our city to Jesus because Jesus saves. We will proclaim the gospel that Jesus died Jesus rose, and all men everywhere must repent for the forgiveness of sins. And we will baptize converts who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior and have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. We will teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded. We will celebrate faithful pastoral tenures like Charles who has been here for 25 years. And we will pray that all the residents of Pretoria and Gauteng and South Africa and our continent will hear the word of the Lord even through us. That this church would grow as spirit-baptized believers are well taught to. Amen. It's Bana word of prayer. Spirit-baptized believers. Those who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Lord God, this is not a work that we can do. 
while we will do all to present the gospel message faithfully, we recognize that salvation belongs to the Lord. So Father God, even this day, would you remove scales from men and women's eyes that they might see their desperate need for a savior and cast themselves upon Jesus Christ and live. Even now, Lord God, would you do that work? Father, for us who have believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you go about teaching us your word, which is faithful and true, might we become doers of your word to your praise and to your glory. That this church, Central Baptist, might be a city on a hill whose light cannot be hid. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.